0: Hey there, Matt here. Before we get started, just want to let you know that we will be sprinkling some book knowledge into our podcast. Don't worry, they will not spoil any aspect of the story. They're just more supplementary. However, if you're a person who absolutely hates book reader knowledge in your TV talk, then this podcast probably isn't for you. Also, we're sorry. Anyway, here's the podcast. Hope you enjoy
1: dedicated to George R.R. R.
0: Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. Um, I'm gonna just buy me a big bucket of KFC.
2: No I, no, no, I need you to go to your KFC, your Popeyes, your churches, your Raisin Cane's. I need you to see eat all of the every chicken where you live,
0: every kind. And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. I, wouldn't it just be easier if I just bought a twenty piece KFC original.
2: Big filet, I forgot about, and then go to your local Albertsons or whatever grocery store you have where you live and, and get a rotisserie chicken as well.
0: Oh my god, no. <laughs> the listeners want to uh, see. You know see what? Them. All right. <laughs> You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to Do 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 do
2: do 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 do
0: do Welcome to Before the Dragon. My name is Matt. I have a punishment to fill this week. I am doing the hound. This means that I have to eat all the chicken in the room. I've already started. Uh, I have KFC. I have chicken from my mother, which I don't know if you can see that or not. A chicken from my mother. I have a full roasted chicken chicken from a gas station i have barbecue chicken from a grocery store so all of that said we're here to talk about house of the dragon season one episode two so ignore me sometimes as i eat chicken most importantly you're going to hear some good thoughts from my fellow panelists john holly and kelly are with me and we're going to start off this episode just by giving our ratings as we usually do, Holly, the siren of A Song of Ice and Fire from the South. Please give me your rating for Season 1, Episode 2 of House of the Dragon, which was entitled The Rogue Prince.
2: Matt, I'm extremely offended that you did not include any Popeyes with all of this chicken that you have. Um, what do you mean? You could have done. You could I have spent
0: done $30 in, in chicken. <laughs> it's, not, it's not all today. the chicken.
2: It's not all. It's not enough chicken. I need I need it's, all the chicken. It's
0: every chicken in the room, technically. Um. <laughs>
2: Just saying you missed out on that Popeyes. I don't mm-hmm. know
0: why you just give, give me a rating. <laughs> Holly, just give me a <laughs> rating.
2: Okay. I um guys, I really did overall enjoy this episode, but not as much as I think a lot of people did. So my rating is gonna be a little lower. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I think the first half of the episode was. Kind of boring. Um, and I don't know if it's because we didn't get Damon until halfway through or what. Uh it just felt like really slow. A lot of it was good, a lot of good two-hander scenes. Um, Rhaenys, uh and Renira, fantastic. Um, Damon and Renira, fantastic. Rainero all around was fantastic. Um, but uh I just like just kind of felt underwhelmed by the end of the episode and I couldn't put my finger on what else was missing until I listened to the the Joffrey podcast this morning and Bubba pointed out there's really not a lot of humor and I think that was like a big thing for me it was like there wasn't there was a couple scenes that made me chuckle but not a lot and not as much as the first episode so I just felt like it was missing that and lacking that and a lot of just setting the stage for um for things to come so um I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. 7.5 out of 10.
0: That's still not too bad. What's the lowest rating you've ever given a Game of Thrones kind of episode? Do you remember?
2: I don't think I have. I honestly don't think I've given given anything lower than a seven. But oh, right after my um, own heart. Well, I also didn't. We didn't do podcasts until season eight. And I was probably pretty forgiving, um, even for those. So.
0: I'm going off. Oh, for, I oh my
2: God. Go. OK, Matt is choking on chicken. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs> you expected
0: nice. your
2: response
1: to take longer <laughs> <It's just laughs> it's it's so sorry
0: <laughs> okay uh let's Is move on to the song of ice and fire, i from the west it's kelly kelly what did you rate this episode and why on a scale of one to ten
1: i was with holly on this one uh underwhelmed um star of my won't hold it back. My score was about a seven, which is close to my lowest. I think I've, I've probably given episodes of Game of Thrones a six in the past. So uh, but I think that that's when there's more egregious use of like, you know, rape and and uh, sexual violence and stuff. And it's unnecessary to the story, I thought. And I, there wasn't any of that here um, explicitly. So I, nothing like points against it, I guess. So it just wasn't as I don't know to go. I in mean, I'm on a mood swing here. I don't know. Maybe I was just so excited last week for anything that I was excited. And now this week I was, it's, it can't be that high every week. So I was on a downswing this week. Um, it was a little slower. Uh, I was kind of a bum to see some of these characters I was hoping would be good guys all the way through the Valerians being kind of shady. Um, so there were some things that, uh, ground, ground my gears. If I could pass tense that phrase. Um, <laughs> But it wasn't bad. It just wasn't uh, as exhilarating, I guess, as as it being the premiere week. And maybe I'm just having like the Tuesday blues days for for that, uh, just in comparison.
0: (laughs) If you go back, if you go back, Kelly, to last week and you think about it in retrospect, given what you got this episode and compare it to what you got last episode, looking at it objectively, do you think you overrated last week's episode?
1: don't think so i think uh this week they slowed it down and maybe i just felt that dramatic change from last week they introduced a lot everything was new and you can't i guess maybe on a rewatch it not being new if you can take that away from it but i don't think so i think it's still like the introduction everyone every scene was quicker every scene was more developmentally uh I don't know, robust. <laughs> so uh, I felt like there was more going on in here. It just felt like each character was a little wishy-washy and that's not satisfying. So that was kind of where I think the the downswing for me came. And it's okay. It's okay to have a downswing week. Um, I didn't hate it or anything, but it just, it's slow. Like, Look at this face. Look at this face, sir. <laughs> 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 I see you. <laughs> Can't be making those on the sly anymore.
0: <laughs> okay, John. How about your rating, uh, John? Is the Titan of a Song of Ice and Fire from the North, and he needs to rate this episode. Uh, please make me feel better about this episode than these two. Oh, have.
3: oh, I I'm probably like at eight point eight three four <laughs> this week. Much better. Yes, no, the, this this I thought was a return to form for multiple reasons. It had the intrigue that I needed. Check. You have the uh, the the plotting going on by multiple people this time, not just Littlefinger. You had Corlys, who finally it sunk in for me this week. Absolutely, he felt a part of the world. Didn't feel like an actor coming off the street. I loved it. Dragons looked great. You had like Targaryen on Targaryen tension on that bridge. I mean, you could just chew on the tension. Between what what would that be like second cousin, and uh, uh, yes, between second cousins, that that scene between Rainera and Raines loved it, loved it. The uh, I I'm so glad I forgot reading this whole line of the stories because I didn't see the uh, the Alicent decision, even though I I knew something was coming. But um, I mean, Viserys is the uh, probably one of I don't know the weakest. I guess Kings ever weak sauce, but that's what makes for a good story because everybody can kind of pull and push them and prod them to get them to do what they want. So no, I was a big fan like this one a lot. Haven't rewatched watched it though? So if, if the ladies have watched this a couple of times or they, they might've oh, okay.
0: wow. Talk about looks the disdain I, know, I just face. don't
1: have time i just don't have time but I, yeah <laughs> it, it has nothing to
0: do with you john they're just watching me eat and that's kind of disgusting that that'll disgust anybody I, so i I'm politely just putting my hand up above
3: that part of the screen. <laughs> you no, know,
1: it's open in that window.
3: <laughs> no, actually, you eat uh, quite politely, um, unless you're uh, muting yourself. If you're muting yourself, then I can't really tell. But I, I other than that, haven't. You're,
0: you're, I, I did mute myself one time when I saw something was going to be really crunchy. But other than that, no, I haven't. No,
3: no, I have to say, of, of most people I've sat and had a meal with, Matt, so far, you're quite uh, pleasant compared to probably eighty percent of the other people I've ever ate with. So.
0: Well, I try not to make too many uh, sounds of delight when I'm eating either, <laughs> especially when it comes to the fact that I'm already on my third chicken leg and uh, we've only wow. just started. I am not the only person being punished this week. I just want you guys to know I it is not just me. Susan, the siren of A Song of Ice and Fire from the East, is also being punished. She is doing Patch Face, which is an audio version of a punishment. Where she will be required in several of her takes with a, a very familiar patch face phrase. If you've read the books, if you haven't read the books, then you'll be surprised by her phrase. But the first thing that I want to hear from you, Susan, is what was your rating for this week's episode, season one, episode two of House of the Dragon, The Rogue Prince?
4: Uh, I know, I know, Matt. I know, I know. <laughs> well, uh, this time around, I'm going to give it um, a nine, because I really did enjoy this one, probably a little bit more than the first, maybe because of the lack of the violence that I didn't have to, you know, close my eyes or turn away from sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, uh, both episodes, and uh, I'm just saving a 10 for... Uh, one that i think might be the highlight of the season or something
0: yeah all right here's what i want to do because i'm sick of you people telling me that i don't have enough chicken here so i'm gonna give my rating (laughs) so that i don't have to eat all of this damn chicken that's in front of me right now in the first five minutes of the podcast uh i'm gonna give it uh, about an 8.9 a little lower than last week raising canes simply because i do feel lee's that there was such an emotional emotional impact heralds in chicago with emma last week that there is no way that this show may even ever
1: not chick-fil-a
0: come close to that kind of emotional climax uh as that gave uh I, probably not this season anyway there may be some events down the line chicken and waffles uh that will have more emotional impact as we get more invested in these characters But because that scene was so central last week. Buffalo Wild Wings? I felt like we didn't get as much of a chance to really evaluate the other characters that were around that moment. Because that was a thing that was kind of at the heart of all of the emotion of everything. Churches? So because it is so investing in that way, I don't feel like we got really a chance to truly evaluate the characters that we have in... ODEX the rest of the story um because it just kind of was almost a distraction not a bad distraction I mean it was definitely very great emotionally and whatever it was a horribly disturbing thing and uh, I'm still horrified by it but I feel like that people who are now looking at these characters is like wait a minute what what did we actually learn about Rhaenyra last week what did we learn about uh, allison last week and and so sometimes maybe that made some of the events in this particular episode seem maybe not quite as meaningful because you were still getting to know the characters better than you thought you had already known them in that way.
1: Chicken Parmesan from some Italian place.
0: So in this week's musical... Analysis We're going to be looking at some things that are connected to the Game of Thrones main series, uh, things that have been given a kind of a new life, some things that kind of allude to other themes from the original Game of Thrones series, and we're also going to be looking at a completely new piece of original music composed for this particular series as well uh, as it occurred when Viserys announced the whole Alicent uh, betrothal. So let's start first by looking at just how the Dragon Connection theme that I refer to has been modified. In this particular episode, it was modified twice. There's an extra little motive that has been added to the main theme itself. Now, the main theme sounds like this. That's the main melody. We're all very familiar with it. However, what additions that Ramin has made, particularly for Rhaenyra, is the fact that he's added a little counter melody to it that descends as the melody that we know rises and he's changed the time signature somewhat. The best kind of count that I could come up with this was 9-4. And normally this theme is in 3-4. So it's almost like a three-fold extension of it. But there's a drum beat in it. And this actually even followed Damon back into Dragonstone as he went towards Messaria. But this drum beat really has some strange accents as well. Uh, I'll just play them as bass notes on the piano here. But now put the dragon connection theme that I played earlier over the top of that beat and then add a new little motive that kind of outlines the chord. And that's what you get as a theme for Rhaenyra, who is uh, essentially, you know, a dragon lord. So you've got that dragon connection once again, but they've added this little motive. And this was used twice in the episode, once when she was leaving Dragonstone. And once when she was returning to the Red Keep, and this is what it sounded like in total. only had 2 episodes so far and this is the first time that we heard this so will this be a designated sound for Renira all time i have no idea yet i can't tell you that it's really a modified theme for Renira until i have more data it always takes more data you can throw anything out there uh but it always has to be proven or disproven right now another thing that happened in this particular episode actually at Dragonstone basically the same scene but it is as Rhaenyra is arriving and what we have is a variation on the old Dracarys theme. Danny's old theme from really that kind of represented her unsullied army more than her herself Uh, but the old theme that I'm referring to had a 5-4 count which was always very interesting to have. It's a mixed meter. It feels, makes you feel slightly uneasy. We got that same count with this particular theme, but while the Drakar's theme, the one for the Unsullied, goes up and is completely minor, the one for Rhaenyra arriving descended down and is somewhat major. Now, the difference between major and minor minor feels scary minor feels tense minor feels sad uh it can be any one of those things where as major feels hope, major feels happiness major feels relief so was it a relief for Rhaenyra to actually show up there at that point? Well, it was kind of glorious, and so I think that was the the intent there uh, and again, I don't know if this will be a theme that is continued, but As the Unsullied theme went up, the Rhaenyra theme goes down. And again, there's a difference between major and minor. So the Rhaenyra theme sounds like this. the last thing that I want to address is if you go back to the episode before my initial reaction of season one, episode one, you will hear me reacting to a piece of music called the Prince that was promised. It was a new piece of music by Ramin. It features the piano, which everybody loves to give me trouble about. But despite that, that particular melody and that particular music piece of music, in fact, that exact piece of music that's on the soundtrack was used at the end of the first episode as Viserys was telling Rhaenyra all about the prophecies and the dreams and all of that. And then we see her actually get declared as the heir. But the thing that happens this week is that we hear it again. The melody has been diluted just a little bit. It's not quite as staccato or there aren't as many notes, but it has the same, what I call, melodic shape, meaning how high or low the notes go, and it definitely reminds you of the melody. So instead of getting this, you get kind of a slower movement of that, which makes it uh, flow a little more, makes it feel a little more, More bittersweet than this stabbing mission kind of feel. Instead, it gives you a a feeling of emotion, and that particular melody, along with the chords that went along with it, came up at the end of Viserys's conversation with Rhaenyra about. They were talking about his wife, her mother, and then they ended up talking also about the fact that he needed to remarry and it carries on through to Viserys looking out the window. The bridge of that particular theme comes in as he's looking out the window, getting ready to tell the great, the small council about what he's planning on doing that he's planning on marrying Allison. Uh, So that was something that was really interesting. I can't play any kind of real nice orchestration like it had in the proper show. Uh, We can't use the music from the show when we're on YouTube either. So uh, you'll just have to take my word for it. I urge you to go back or go to Spotify, listen to Ramin's cut called the the prince that was promised or wherever you get your music, Apple music, whatever. It doesn't matter to me, just as long as you're somehow contributing to the artist. And then uh, listen to that scene towards the end of the scene with Viserys and Rhaenyra speaking. And uh, as it flows into him looking out the window before he tells the small council that he's going to make Alicent his betrothed. And that's all I've got this particular week. Thanks for listening to this part. We're back with all of our panelists next for the Wheel of Topics.
1: Dedicated to George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series.
2: Let's go to questions.
0: All right.
1: Questions. (laughs) (laughs) And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. Tidbits.
0: (sighs)
4: Please put these in
2: the
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> no, I can't.
1: <laughs> no, you with can. Some,
3: with some reverb and echo and just like boo <laughs>
4: You're
1: listening to Before the Dragon.
2: Don't tell me what to do. Do, 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 do. do, do, do.
0: How oh, I can't see it. What does it say?
2: Oh, the intro that was promised.
0: <laughs> of course.
2: Mm. Guys, um I'm not going to lie. I was I was disappointed that it's the same theme song for a second well longer than a second but like I was it came on the music started and I was like oh dang and then and then I just was enthralled by the rest of it but man I don't know I and maybe I'm in the minority here I don't know I feel like a lot of people are really for it um it's just kind of keeping the universe together but I I wish they would have even maybe just kept the same song and just did done a different arrangement or like different orchestration or something. I don't know. I, it just, I wanted it to be, I wanted this theme to be a little bit set apart from the original theme. Um, with that said, you know, like it's a banger and you know, I, I don't maybe, maybe is it too much to ask for him to create something that is like equally matches um, the previous theme Maybe, I don't know, but uh, I was a little disappointed. I'm going to get over it um, fairly quickly, but just on initial, the music was a letdown for me. Loved the intro, though. I love the visuals. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's clearly the Targaryen line, um, kind of starting at Aegon, and then the blood drips down and splits off uh, for each family tree of the ruling uh, Targaryens anyway. And it's going to be really... It looked really cool and there's going to be room to grow and for it to change potentially in the future. So I'm really looking forward to what is coming with the intro.
0: I'm glad you caught what the heck it was, because I just thought, are those sigils? What are those? I didn't know. Uh, The one thing that I can tell you, Holly, about the music is the fact that there was a slight change. But it was okay. something that you wouldn't notice, and it's something that wouldn't matter. The, uh, the percussion was either mixed differently or a new percussion line was added to it. And that was the only thing that was complete, that was either new or reorganized in some way. Otherwise, it was the same old piece. And I was as disappointed as you.
2: Just kind of going back to it, I... They're crowns. The little sigils are like different crowns for representing the different kings. So there's no names, but he was he went through and like shot by shot for shot, like said this is this king and this queen and so on and so on. And you, and the crowns kind of change a little bit as you go. And I was like, oh okay, because I couldn't understand what I was looking at either until he pointed that out. So uh, props to uh, Conqueror's Crown on Twitter for breaking that down for me.
1: You know, that first note hit and I was so excited. Uh, So (laughs) I can't tear myself away from that, that feeling of like nostalgia and thrill. So um, I was thrilled to hear the music. I don't, I guess I can see the argument of like it should have been new, it should be different. Um, it could have been maybe stylized to sound older or because they've they've done some things in the show to make everything seem older. So maybe make this, you know, be composed with different um or performed with different instruments to make it seem maybe more antiquated or something. Um but I, After you know, the reaction I had when I heard it, I I don't blame them for trying to elicit that, you know, nostalgia and to you know trigger that in everybody as well. So I can see both sides, but um the scenery, the scene, the um clockwork um was a little bit different. It seemed more CGI to me. I liked the how everything was more clockwork in the original. And I had no idea what I was looking at. I recognized a crown. I think because it looked like Viserys crown, but other than that, I was like, I have no idea what these sigils are. I was only 50% sure it was even supposed to be Valeria. <laughs> so I had to like rewatch it. And, I, and then by the time we saw the model later, I was like, that is it. So it was a little more abstract than I was prepared for and wanted. So <laughs> oh, as Matt jokes, I'm so sorry, but oh my god. <laughs> you brought this upon yourself. Let's be real.
0: You <laughs> literally.
4: Body,
3: but-
2: you you created this punishment too you, you made this up wow
3: i only have one question about your chicken habit here okay is it hot or is it cold because there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer
0: no the answer is no
2: that's the wrong answer matt
3: that is the wrong answer
2: matt is
1: struggling you guys
3: struggling. all chickens should be hot
1: <laughs> while uh, while Matt masticates, uh, John, I want to hear you had uh, <laughs> thoughts on the uh, on the intro. All because, right. Yeah, you're, you're a CGI guy. You, you've, you've given me Matt always has me look at the uh, or listen for music. Now that I, you've had this conversation about CGI, now I'm like, keep an eye out. Okay. I wonder, I wonder what John would think of this. So <laughs> <laughs> wow,
3: I had no idea such a uh, such a uh, well known <laughs> critique of the CGI. Um, but, um, no, I, I, thought the idea behind the intro was cool, but to address the music the, when I heard Holly describe her kind of thoughts about it, like she was disappointed, but she's like, but it was a banger. It made me think of the band Europe who was known to start and end their show with the same song, the final countdown. And I'm like, Oh no, is this, is this what this is? But then I'm like, you know what? No, this is more like star Wars. Star Wars always opens with the same theme. Always. And that's what this is. And that's what they're trying to set. The only problem is, is there's only been one Game of Thrones series. And now we're on to number two. So everybody thinks that that one's only for that series. However, I I get what they're doing. I get the disappointment, though, too, because I was also disappointed. But I wasn't so disappointed as like, oh, This is the worst show ever.
2: Wait, well, to clarify on the Star Wars, all the Star Wars Skywalker sagas open the same way, but Rogue One oh, doesn't man. have the song, and neither that, does. Solo. That is, that
3: is, yeah, yeah. Well, Rogue but One I've is I've a Star Wars story, story.
2: <laughs> right? People have made the same argument with the MCU, though, and 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 like so for that, you know, I get it. It's definitely not a hill I am willing to die on. Um, it was just my my own personal feelings. I was a little disappointed, but I'll get over it. It'll. It's we got it's back. I'm just happy to have it. I'm not like I said, I'm not going to be mad about it forever.
0: I will remind everybody who is using the MCU argument that actually the theme for the music coming or for the little logo coming up has changed two times since phase one. Um, It's been pretty consistent since phase three, but it did change twice. In fact, uh, the guy who did the music for Thor Dark World was the one who wrote the second one for that intro.
3: So at least one good thing came out of the movie. (laughs) Oh,
0: well, no, they didn't keep that one for too long. By the time phase three came around, it was gone, too. So Christopher uh, Evelson deserves better. He's my favorite doctor. Well, Susan, we've all kind of voiced our opinions about this. Uh, How did you feel about this intro?
4: Well, that under the sea, they say that uh, the mermaids say that, oh, water and steam are used instead of fire and blood and i thought that uh they ride and they ride seahorses and sea dragons instead of fire breathing dragons (laughs) so that made me think about uh, what's going on with this new entrance with with the blood i mean uh i i will say that I liked the look of it. It looked really interesting. But I have to admit that everything was going by so fast that I had a hard time really figuring out what was going on. And um, because some of the the surfaces, it seemed like the little uh, sigils where they would stop in the little round circles. Sometimes the way that it, the camera was, um positioned you couldn't see them real well you were kind of on the side instead of up on top of them and so uh, i just had a hard time figuring it out now since then i've listened to a lot of very smart people who have taken it all apart there's already great videos about it on the internet Um, so i have a better understanding about the fact that it is the targaryen family tree that they're focusing on um but i would like them to either do their own little you know the show to either do their own little video about it or maybe All in right. the future to 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 do something to make it a little clearer cuz i think it's really hard to follow yeah it's a great concept i like the idea it's just yes. hard to figure it out
0: yeah i loved the idea that they had different crowns and things for the different people who became kings Mm-hmm. That, uh, but, uh, I did, it didn't mean anything to me until, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out to out of context, how to house of the dragon who actually put up a video on Twitter of the credits and just ah. put the names that they, the, each, uh, crown or, or each of those discs represented. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. of them were actually way far in the background. I wouldn't even have noticed that they were there. It was
4: visually confusing. So uh, I think they need to do a little extra work on that. Or or maybe, like you say, maybe as other characters become more important, maybe they're going to bring those into more prominence and so forth. But uh, yeah. Uh,
0: What else we got on this? Anything or should we spin the wheel again?
2: Spin the wheel.
0: I got to grab a piece of chicken, Kelly. What does it say? Uh,
1: Laser eyes focusing. It says... Break the wheel 0.0 question mark. Uh Rhaenyra and Rainey's
0: Well, did Rhaenyra not say, uh, I'll set a new order? Sounded pretty much like Break the Wheel to Me.
1: Heartbreakingly so it did. Uh as far back as Rainey's and to Rhaenyra and then all the way through to Danny, you had patriarchal society denying women the right to rule. And it's a little hard to keep hearing the same storyline over and over again. So um I don't have much to say about this, to be honest. It's kind of uh, one of the points that's making me a little bummed out about the show. So um, I think uh, I'm excited to see her kind of ideology or, um Idealism, I mean, like she seems naive, but she also seems hopeful, whereas Rainey's seems um, despondent and it uh, feels like she's kind of accepted her, the, the status quo. So I, I'm curious to see you know the difference is that Rainey's didn't have a Rainey's before her to uh, prepare her or to advocate for her or or anything like that. So maybe that will be a changing factor in in all of this. you know Danny didn't have a um, Raineys, so I'm wondering if that combination will give us closer you know because you know knowing the outcome but still not knowing through the story how close they'll get. Um, will be a good thing to kind of pin our hopes on, rather than an outcome of, of the new order that she's looking to establish. So that's all I can really say about it. Is I, I have hope that um, even though I know they won't break that ceiling, that maybe they'll get really close to, to scratching it. I don't know. <laughs> that's about it.
4: <laughs> oh, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very interesting. And uh, while Renira said that uh, rainy's wasn't uh, getting any anger out of her i felt like she was getting some anger out of her <laughs> um yeah um, i <sighs> Rainey's obviously has uh her own issues about the fact that she was passed over and so she's going to definitely see everything from that perspective i think that she was giving Rhaenyra some wisdom but uh I also think it was you know skewed a little bit from her own perspective
0: hmm interesting so um I looked at it kind of as uh, a realistic point of view given how awful this world is (laughs) Uh, Mm um but um do you think that Rhaenys has any spite for the fact that Rhaenyra is at least going to achieve it or try to achieve it
4: Yeah, I think it's probably mixed, you know, Um, it's um, one of these things where, uh, and again, and I try to listen to a lot of the behind the scenes things. I think they were talking about the fact of when they focus so much about um, women in in a patriarchal system like this, having uh, so much of their agency taken away from them, that sometimes uh, women will actually kind of take it out on other women instead of you know sticking up for them and we certainly see that from Mm. Cersei a lot in the original series and in the novels so there's a little bit of that that seems to come across though at the same time I would think that um, Rainies might really be proud of her if she did actually achieve the goal of being on the throne
0: okay makes sense to me. So Holly, do you think that it, uh Raines is being too much of a realist here?
2: I think Rhaenyra is young and optimistic for the future and Raines is um a little wiser and cynical. I think we could see Rhaenyra looking just like Raines in the future easily. Um because that's the nature of patriarchal societies like Sure, like, if she can fix it, great, Um, but as we can see throughout this episode, there is likely not going to be an opportunity for her to fix it, because even with all these promises that Viserys uh, is giving her about she's still the heir, um, what Rainy said was true, like, when he's dead, all of the lords are going to try to make the son the heir, and, I mean... It's just going to go bad from there. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. I think it's a fantastic scene. Loved it.
3: I really liked it for a lot of the reasons Holly liked it. Um, And I just keep thinking about kind of like, like after that scene, what's happening and actions taken. I look at, look at Rhaenyra and what she ends up doing with her uncle she basically did what 20 armed men couldn't do. I mean, there you, you want to talk about agency and power and kind of doing what you can with very little in just who you are. I mean, this is a lot about a character, especially against somebody who is is known to be a very skilled armed man. not not to jump to that scene because but I'm just putting it in that type of context. she's really kind of staking her claim to what she. Plans on doing, and I think what really pulled me into this episode was the acting. Was sometimes mm-hmm. how you see you see the actors, they're acting. You you see like like when you have a named actor, it's like sometimes you see Robert Downey Jr. Sometimes you see Tony Stark. Like it's like who 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 are you seeing in this? I didn't see any of the actors. Like I was blown away at um, Millie's acting. At all, at all times in this this episode, and I think that's probably what really brought me into this episode and made me like it so much. But because I was enraptured from from the get go, especially because I had some nitpicks on the way Corliss was, and it's probably because I wasn't as accustomed to that actor yet. And after this episode really dragged me in. So for this scene specifically, both of those actors playing off each other, you can feel the years of kind of. Someone being passed over and looked down less than with uh Rainier uh Rainies. Jeez, it's got all these names. I it's like I feel bad for anyone coming in new to this series because the names, but um Rhaenyra and Rainies, just that back and forth. You can see somebody the hope optimism after just being told you're the heir. And then you have somebody who's being like, Oh yeah, well, I thought I was the heir too once, and it's not gonna work out that way for you. So you better get your expectations straight. So oh he's got
0: a horrible look on her face what's happening in there
2: okay i was i want to please you don't have to include this i just looked up eve best because i was i wanted to say there's she's so good and i and i love her especially in that scene i thought her acting was so good and i was i was in it with her like just like you were saying john like i i couldn't separate the actor from the or i, I could not separate the actor from the performance it was fantastic so i just googled her i was like what else is she like is she in something because there's something very familiar and comforting about her and yeah she's dr o'hare from nurse jackie and that is where i know her best from Mm -hmm. she was in the king's speech also as wallace simpson interestingly enough
3: okay but kelly's kelly's turned her frown up to a smile so now Mm -hmm. like uh, like so what what are you thinking over there
1: i think i was thinking about the I was, I was feeling the despondency of, of Rhaenyra's outcome, and I wasn't thinking specifically about this scene. And as I was recalling the scene, I did really like that Rainey's cut the tension immediately as soon as Rhaenyra asked her, like, are you trying to make me angry? And she said quite the opposite. And then I think that that was what made her whole presentation of what she was trying to tell Rhaenyra um, less harsh and maybe m- more guidance um, seeming in that way and it made it not like two women butting heads for power or whatever we were used to it's more of just advisory so more of a olena than a cersei like mm. our stru- you know um, structure situation
0: I'm where did land john i can't see it
3: the big question that'll be asked for eternity at least for at least the season the dame on or dame off as matt would uh coin the term Oh uh
2: yeah, team Damon for sure. Um and, and probably will be for a long time, no no matter almost what he does, just because he's so charismatic. He's he's so fun. Uh, like I kind of talked about in my rating. Um, the episode became a lot more interesting when he was on the screen. And I'm not like a Matt Smith fangirl, even though I <laughs> have seen Matt Smith in person like within just a few feet away from me and I have an autograph from a uh con in 2014 in New Orleans uh when he was just known as the doctor back then um but I'm not like oh he's so blah 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 his scenes were the dragonstone scene was incredible um I loved his the way he would like toss the egg. Uh, and then his little uh, exchange with uh, Kristen Cole was like one of the two times that I actually laughed in this episode. Um, Kristen Cole burned him good though. That was, that was funny.
1: Oh, I am reluctantly still Damon. Uh, I I don't actually remember if I was Damon or Damon last week. He's, he's my little chaotic cutie. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, <laughs> his, uh, his, You know, Machuism last week was, you know, undercut by his inability to perform and his own frustration with his inability to perform at the brothel. This week, he's, you know, sending letters talking about, you know, all of these plans that he's making, but the woman he's making them with has no idea he's even doing it. So it's not even like he's planning far enough ahead to like keep his co-conspirator in the loop. He doesn't plan anything ahead. (laughs) He's just figuring out as he goes and seems like this will be fun. I'll do this. Um, I don't know if any of that's true. That's just totally how it came across this episode. So (laughs) he's, he's a mad lad and I'm, 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 I'm entertained by it. So I gotta be Damon. (laughs) He he thought he was going to be hot with his, uh, with his dragon showing up and then he got shown up and that was awesome too. Cause you know, when people act that, that, um, braggadocious, you love to see them get taken down a notch. So (laughs) he was, uh, and he took it in stride. He tossed that egg back and, and strawed that's past tense word back to his castle and, you know, figure out the next chaotic thing he was going to do. I don't know.
3: <laughs> not, not to interrupt your uh, buffet of chicken here. Um, but, uh, what, what are we, uh, defining as Dame on and Dame off? Cause I guess I'm, I'm mildly confused. Is it that we like the character? We don't like the character is Didn't it... you ask the
0: same question last week kind
3: of but i'm still a little bit did i not explain filmics, it well but... enough
0: i apologize m-
3: m- uh, maybe, what i mean maybe not maybe, maybe i just it'll... forgot
0: <laughs> what i mean is if you're damon is that you like damon in this particular episode if you're damon off it means you don't like
3: him. oh i mean like i love the character i don't think you'll ever you'll never not like the character if you like game of thrones i mean yeah i guess you well, could be turned off by him but Like, I I love the chaos. I
2: was kind of bored until he showed up on screen. Um, However, I think a lot of, you know, people are debating Damon all the time, book readers, non-book readers um, on the internet. And I think a lot of people kind of see him as, like, they they don't trust him. And they think that he is doing everything he can to get the throne uh, from Viserys. And while, yes, Um, it's pretty plain. He wants to be the heir. Um, I really do not think that he will cause any harm to Viserys and try to do anything like violence to, to ascend the throne. I really think he loves his family. Um, and you can see it a lot in the first episode and, um, the way he spoke truth to him in the throne room, right before he was exiled. And then even this week, um, it seems like he just did all of that to get Viserys attention. And he was disappointed that when Otto, they meet on the bridge and he's like, where's my brother? Like, oh, my brother didn't come like, and then the way he easily, um, surrendered to Rhaenyra, um, he loves her too. And, uh, and then in the, in the final scene with, um, with Corlys, he won't let Corliss say anything bad about Viserys, only he can, and I, I like that, that's just, like, every person who has a sibling, like, you can talk as much crap as you want about him, but none of your friends can, or nobody else around you can, like, no, that's, that's my, that's my brother, like, you can't do that, so I don't know, all of that to me just shows, like, there's real love for his family, um, and as long as I continue to see that, no matter what kind of chaos he, um, Inspires? makes, yeah. <laughs> chaos he, <laughs> chaos maker um no matter what he does um I'm as long as he's showing that he loves his family and he is really doing what's in their best interest I'm gonna always be Damon
0: Susan I I can't read that can can you tell me what that wheel says
4: yes Matt uh I continued focus on Valeria
0: oh well what what do you what do you think about that
4: Uh, I think that it was a a nice continuation from what they started with last week that uh, we're hearing a lot about Valeria. Uh, It's really becoming, I think, one of the things that they are focusing on um, with this, at least this season, maybe the entire show, uh, the connection with Valeria and the Targaryens. We had the little lesson that Viserys was given to Alicent when they were walking around his uh, model, which seems to be expanding and blowing on, uh, growing a little bit. Where he told her a little bit, and we got some details there about Valeria that uh, I don't think have been. Uh, I think they're new information for most people about the city itself and where the mages were, the building that the mages was uh, were uh, kept in. So I think all that was was fun, new information.
0: I didn't even know myself, Susan, that the Dragon Lords evidently lived right up next to the volcano. And that's why Dragonstone was built next to a volcano. That was all new information to me.
4: Right, right. How they talked about how that was kind of the where they kind of drew their magic from. So that's why they wanted to be close to it. So mm. I thought that was real interesting. You know, these Dragon Keepers, which have, we, we saw in the first episode, but now they came back in with uh, the part in the episode where they were uh, talk, you know, announcing that um, Damon has stolen the egg. The fact that they only seem to speak Valerian, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, they were giving those commands to the dragons last time, but now we see that it appears that that's their primary language. So that got me thinking, are they from Valyria? Or these may be descendants of people that came over with the Targaryens or are they from that part of Essos around that area where a lot of people speak Valerian? It just, uh, it was uh, interesting that that seems to be their primary language.
0: What does the wheel say? Um, it says e- existential cri- crisis. ex Eggs- Existential oh, crisis. Wait.
1: Can I ask a question? For maybe the panel, for everybody?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: So like the scene where Ranira confronted Damon on the bridge and she says to him about, I am the object of your ire or whatever. Like I'm the heir that, he, that you think should be your title. Like take me out if that's your plan. Like that is a, like an insurmountable conflict that doesn't seem to jive with Damon loving his family. So what do you guys think about that? um like he is obviously not going to hurt her but like he does keep acting like he is the role that she's trying to um fill so like that conflict seems to be juxtaposed like he's holding these two thoughts in his mind he loves his family but he's trying to take her birthright it it's
2: not her birthright though i mean not necessarily only because sarah said it was and i don't know
3: he's the king Mm
0: didn't the way that that scene resolved kind of answer that question for you though kelly because to me he was infuriated he was absolutely there the way the music was building that look on his face and he turned away infuriated because he had been defeated to me that's what i saw and he knew that ranira was right and he also knew that he would never ever could never hurt her And then he playfully tossed an egg back to her. That was to show that everything was cool between the two of them is what it showed to me. Didn't mean he wasn't upset about it, but it just means that, you know, he was totally, you know, if it comes down to having to choose between being a King or having an egg for a baby that's not to come or whatever, and his family, he's going to choose his family every time. Like he just did.
2: Another take, another read maybe is um, because He's worried. He knows Viserys this week. He's worried everybody can see Viserys this week. This is his weird, chaotic, egotistical, petulant way to show the strength in House Targaryen um, to kind of make up for v- what Viserys is lacking, potentially. So I don't know. doesn't make there, a lot of sense when they're well, fighting each other, though. So
1: A weird analogy is um, I work with plants a lot, not in... in- like gardening or anything but like i work with like uh, greenhouses and stuff people that are building greenhouses and they um do a lot of um installation they it's really important to have air movement because these are all indoor grows so like they do they it's required to have like a lot of air movement in these places because otherwise the plants don't um experience any um movement and that movement builds their muscles so it's like when you work out you build muscles so like i'm picturing Damon as this chaos that is creating this tumultuous like environment where these Targaryens are growing. And if they can survive this chaos, then they will be stronger for it. Maybe (laughs) Um, that's so like he's creating the environment where it only create, you know, only the the best will come out of it, where like they'll have these experiences where they are better for dealing with these crises, maybe. Yeah, And he saw that Rhaenyra was strong in that moment and he accepted that she would be a good ruler and that maybe, you know, or maybe you pass this test, but don't expect me to let up for the next one or something like that, where he's going to continue to push her to be her best. That way, House Targaryen is stronger for that strength.
2: I like that. And it also kind of fits with, I think he's maybe looking at Rhaenyra like as both like a potential enemy and or like ally in the future so kind of like well kind of testing her a little bit and seeing which way and whether he maybe he wants to join up with her and then who knows who knows what happens after that kind of, Okay, there's a lot to digest here
4: ah uh, it's my favorite scene yeah mm-hmm. yeah dragons dragons fly in and out of the sea in the clouds there I know I know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think I thought that was uh, that was the best part of, of the episode. And I think for people who felt that this was kind of a slower episode, it was kind of the, you know, the peak of the, uh, you know, the energy of what was going on there.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: So, yeah, I've got a lot of thought, lots of thoughts about it.
0: Well, let's hear them.
4: Uh, well, the first was I loved how the whole mood of Dragonstone was set when you came into this, this really foggy, Gloomy, eerie atmosphere, and it was interesting because the, we read in the novels about the Dragonstone is is supposed to kind of look like that all the time. This vol, this um, volcanic island in the ocean that is supposed to be this kind of steamy, misty uh, area. So I thought that they really set that well, but it also set the mood where it was just really kind of spooky, and these guys were. going up the long uh uh bridge there and uh into this kind of unknown area so i really liked that and then the whole confrontation of course with damon and his attitude one thing that just gave me a real chuckle was when he called christian cole crispin um because (laughs) again i think that was uh maybe i'm imagining this but i believe that this was a nod to shakespeare because um going back to henry the fifth the famous uh speech that he gave uh is the saint crispin's day speech which you know the, my band of brothers we we um, mm. you know we few we happy few we band of brothers that he did before the the battle of Agincourt. that's the only time i've ever heard the name crispin given so i just thought it was maybe a little nod to shakespeare given there and uh I, I liked it. I loved how then Caraxus when he entered into the whole scene, you know creeping down into the to the scene and the uh reaction that he got out of the the king's guard the soldiers and otto um but uh I thought that was was really effective um uh and as was then the entrance with uh Syrax right. so. Yeah, I, the both of the dragons I thought were fantastic in, in that uh, scene and the way they were used. Um, I really appreciated how it gave Rhaenyra a chance to show that she was assertive. She was showing some leadership. Um, so I thought that was uh, a great opportunity to do that, though it also seemed to raise um a concern from otto about her behavior Mm. you know um as she was flying off he was definitely looking a little troubled about that whole situation uh and what about the way
0: that um damon reacted to it how did you take um did he just i mean obviously he's not going to hurt reneira right so uh yeah i mean so he looked awfully frustrated as he walked away, even though he kind of playfully tossed the egg back to her. Or at least that's the way I read it. But yeah. do you think he was more frustrated at her for besting him or more frustrated at himself for, you know, basically besting himself?
4: Well, I thought it established again, the bond between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I think he was probably impressed with the, how she handled that. I mean, he's talking about his, his brother being a weak King and uh, seeing her acting, uh, you know, from a position in strength, you know, bringing the dragon there and the way she really confronted him and stood up to him. So my impression was that, uh, that he was impressed with her. Um, I did think again with, with Otto, we got the lie when this was obviously a ploy on Damon's part to, to, uh, engage his brother in some way. And so, you know, when he wanted to know where's the King and Otto says, Oh, the King would lower himself to come here. When we all know that the king said that he was going to go and was talked out of it by Otto. So that showed a little bit of his uh, duplicity in the whole thing.
2: Okay, y'all. <laughs> Shrewd parenthood. The proposal, the proposed proposal of Lady Lena.
0: On the terms of, of a shock level, didn't do anything for me. Uh, what about you, Kelly.
1: The in- reveal of it being of Lena being twelve years old, and that being the uh, epitome of choices that uh, Viserys were to choose from for a wife.
0: Yeah, well, one of the things that I did like is actually the words about why this is wrong were kind of put in Viserys' mouth himself um, when he was talking to Lord Lionel. But uh, I mean, did did the storyline have any effect on you, or was it just a sideshow?
1: As far as it being a like a reveal or anything like how they were handling this as I mean, they they put this in here as like this is an option for him and this would be smart of him but look he's saying no because he's going with somebody he has an actual connection with who's 2 years older than this other girl i don't know like it didn't seem like i don't really give them a lot of uh bonus brownie points for like progressiveness here but like you know even in this world where they're like well we have to show him picking somebody and it has to be there has to be some story around it that's intriguing i don't know the 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 lena reveal was gross and i was uncomfortable the whole time i was cringing the whole time they were talking i hope everyone was but the um uh because it, it was kind of a bummer because they were talking about Vagar too which was cool and i wanted to hear that story but uh and he sounded like he <laughs> he couldn't hear her like it was part of it like he asked her to repeat herself and he like could not hold a conversation with her um it was humorous but it couldn't be laughable because it was so icky like it was kind of just awkward and then i did not understand his decision at the end like that's part of what i didn't like about this episode was like he had this you know it, conversation with Corliss he had the conversation with Otto he had the, and then uh he had the conversation with um Ly- Str- Lionel who was the yep. yeah and, and then he made a completely different decision at the end and it wasn't even clear that that was an option at that point like it, it was I didn't like that I, I felt a lot of left field or I felt like I missed a scene <laughs> um so the <laughs> as far as lena goes uh my girl dodged a bullet so i'm good i'm happy for that little girl she was adorable um i'm glad she didn't end up with that guy uh that old old second uncle i'm not sure what he would be of hers but (laughs) um i'm uh i hope we get to see more of her yeah she was i thought she was super cute and she was she super loved dragons (laughs) so that was super cute but um yeah i'm glad that they didn't go that you know that we didn't have to see much more of that. That was all we had to deal with.
0: <laughs> now, Susan, I know that you have a lot to say about, uh, this whole, uh, older man, basically a child kind of marriage because you've done a lot of research on this, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how a lot of people were definitely focusing on that scene with the uh, King Viserys and, uh, Uh, little tiny Lady Lena, because the disparity in their ages, you know, the visual of it was just so jarring. And Mm. uh, for people to think about the idea that they were considering marrying the two of them. But I know, I know. So I needed to (laughs) (laughs) look up a bit uh, to try and give a little bit of uh, a uh, historical perspective on this. Um, This particular series again martin has said is uh based a little bit on the period in english history that was called the anarchy and this was the uh the battle between uh empress matilda and her brother stephen for the english throne when um, her father henry i died well empress matilda because she was married to Henry V of Germany, who then became the Holy Roman Emperor at the time, when she was all of eight years old, and he was 24. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then she was widowed at the age of 23 herself and was remarried to Geoffrey of Anjou, who is famously, he's the one who kind of gave the name to the Plantagenet dynasty. And she was 25 when she got remarried to him but he was only 13
0: <laughs> so, oh my
4: well now I, now,
0: actually, now i'm thinking of of marjorie and our R- joffrey from game of thrones also
4: yeah 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 a little reversal there so i mean that's that's one example but i mean you just look at that entire um uh history um i mean uh, matilda didn't get to be on the throne but her uh, son, Henry II, was the one who, who married Eleanor of Aquitaine, and they had uh, all those sons who famously fought over the th- over the throne, Richard the Lionhearted, and King John, who was considered the bad King John. Well, King John um, had two wives, um, both named Isabel. He annulled the marriage of his first wife in order to marry the second one, And apparently there was some political rivalry that he wanted the second one for his wife at the time. She was only 12. And uh, and that marriage was most definitely consummated immediately. So, uh, yeah. And then when you go past King John, you get into his descendant, Henry the third. And then the following three kings, the Edwards, one, two and three, all four of them married wives at the age of 12 or 13. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, and so some of those, you know, marriages may had, they may have waited a few years, maybe not uh, in these cases. And uh, Edward III is the one who he and his wife famously had a whole bunch of kids, but their um, uh, prince, The crown prince, who was the black prince who died early. So, his son is the one who came to the throne as a child, Richard II. And his first marriage was at age 15 with another 15 year old, but she died of the plague when she was in her mid 20s. So, his second marriage was to a French princess, and most all of these were French princesses for these English kings. His second marriage was to a French princess who was only six years old. And initially, they were going to just betroth them and leave her in France for a while. But Richard famously said that he wanted her to come to England because he wanted to shape her to his liking. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm
0: practically choking on this chicken here. Susan. (laughs) This is disgusting.
4: They, They lived in separate castles. I don't think that marriage was ever consummated because he was deposed and died four years later. He's oh. the one that was usurped by Henry IV. And then we started going into the War of the Rosers type of stuff from there. But uh, the uh, six-year-old went back to France and uh, she had a second marriage where she, when she was 16 and the groom was 11. Uh, and then she died at the age of 19 in childbirth. So mm. that's a brief walk through uh, quite a few of the early English kings in the plantagenet dynasty and um and you can see that this was kind of the the way things happened at that time uh, sadly from certainly our perspective these days john how about you
3: i guess i'm the well i mean the whole concept yeah super creepy especially from a modern context but i've been reading like medieval history since i've been like probably 12 13 years old so this whole concept of marriage for political alliance type thing and like old men marrying really young women and or children being betrothed by the time they're like three years old and stuff. That's, that doesn't phase me. It doesn't like I understand what it is. It's not it's it's he's not lusting after this little girl. It's nothing like that. There's probably some weirdos out there that are like that. And then that's where it gets creepy. But this isn't this is this is two houses. He's proposing joining of two houses for political strength and, uh, advantage the, um, but to Kelly's point, there probably was a missing conversation or a hint at Viserys's feelings, um, for Allison. But also I felt like all of his advisors put him in an unwinnable position. At least that's how he felt. In terms of he had to make a choice and he's like, well, if I got to make a choice soon, I'm if I have to pick somebody, uh, I'm going to go with this one. Like because there's at least some moderate amount of connection and it's it. He, he wasn't really given like kind of like here's all the choices like where Tyrion had all the choices that he he basically put out there for Joffrey. Like, we're going to marry him off to this one, this one, or this one. It's not that any of those were real choices, but I'm just saying if Otto were, and of course we all know Otto set this up and he was doing this from the beginning it's not surprising, but he also knows his mark. So that, that to me is what that all said a lot more is Otto knows Viserys way more than Viserys knows Viserys, which I thought was extremely interesting and revealing. So they're playing like 4D chess, which I really, really like.
2: Otto is definitely winning the 4D chess. Um, yeah, I think it was kind of hard to read, Kelly. I agree with you, but I also, I, on a rewatch, I can, you can kind of track it, even though it is done very quickly. We know from the books, that they aged down Lena. And I think they did it to make, oddly, to make this choice more palatable. Because if she was a little bit older, it would be, really hard for him to explain him choosing allison over her if she was at least old enough to bed because otherwise everybody was kind of for it you know like everybody's like yeah you should do this um so i just think like they had to make it easier for him to choose allison that's why they aged her down that's kind of how i'm choosing to look at it uh but they have the their scenes where she fixes the statue for him showing that she cares and then there's this conversation between Otto and and Viserys about like Otto's like yeah I you know I still am grieving for my wife because I cared so much about her so he's like dropping in those little hints of having somebody that he cares about and that would care about him reminding him of Emma and then we have Allison over here just being nice and listening to him and like seem seemingly enjoying his company and and kind of showing him like oh yeah look I care about you and so and I guess that's why he made the choice but also maybe something about he really does not like Corliss or trust Corliss because he that's what he uses with the Lionel Strong right he's like he's been looking at me funny I don't know if I can trust him that's the only reason obvious reason he wouldn't want to join their house because he doesn't trust him i I don't know i don't know if that's enough um
0: yeah lord lionel makes the point though that you know it's better to have him as a friend than as an enemy
2: i know but he just made him as an enemy like right
0: yeah he absolutely did i mean he didn't listen to lord Lionel's, uh you know advice all i'm saying is is that uh you know by expressing that he didn't trust Corlys before he heard Lord Lionel's thing it means that he isn't very good at making decisions.
2: No, and then he still made a bad one anyway. And I'm sorry, you're like, right? I, yeah, no, you're I don't right. want him. I don't want him to marry the 12 year old girl. But like politically, everything else, like the Valerians, the Valerians were the correct choice that he failed to make.
3: Three. Speculative question: Is there a way? He could have made everyone happy here
2: I don't know why nobody proposed marrying Rhaenyra off to this to, Len- to Lenore to the son like why why aren't they like okay maybe if King Viserys isn't into it because she's so young why wouldn't he just like alternately be like oh but hey what if your son married my daughter she's the heir I don't know like he yeah. could have had at least an alternative solution to propose but he did not
1: And that would get them, I think, with their at least seeming like their power grab here felt like it would have gotten them in any way, which is that, you know, yes, Rhaenys was passed over. But as long as her line is somewhere in the throne line, then it is still, you know, honorable. Their family is still honored, um, which is what they were trying to do with Lena. But yeah, like your solution of having Rhaenyra marry Laenor would have been the same solution. Um, But that's, you know, who, you know. Not that that would ever happen. So,
3: (laughs) (laughs) I like that idea. That would have probably been. I would have probably, if I were, if I were advising Viserys, I would say set aside the marriage proposal right now, but set up a royal wedding just like Holly proposed. Then you, then you merge those two houses by also buying your own time because that way your heir is already setting up to have other heirs and making your line strong. While it gives you time to actually properly grieve, because I really don't think he wants to marry Allison. I think he feels pressured into getting into the next marriage. That's that was that. my read on it. Yeah, I
0: agree with that completely.
1: I think the show was establishing that he makes bad decisions.
0: <laughs> Maybe so.
1: I don't know. I he's kind of two for like... two.
0: <laughs> I think the show is already establishing that he has a lot of really hard decisions to make that he's kind of backed into the wrong corner for him. That's fair.
1: Dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series.
3: This is gonna be fun. Or really terrible, one or the other. Or both.
1: And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises.
0: Well, so. it, hopefully both. Okay. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Do, do.
1: do,
2: do, 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 do,
0: do. So this week we have another scene from a Westerosi movie. This time around, uh, we want you to guess Ooh. what scene this is from, Ooh. or what move actual movie this scene is from. And this week. Holly and Kelly are portraying Sansa and Arya in a famous court scene in a famous movie written by a famous playwright, you'll know it instantly because Holly and Kelly were so good doing this, um, despite my attempts to sabotage it. Scenes from a Westerosi movie.
2: Any chance the wave left your office and said Arya is wrong? No. When the waifs spoke to the platoon and ordered them not to touch Joffrey, any chance they ignored her?
1: You ever served in a Faceless Man unit, sister?
2: No, sister.
1: Ever served in a forward area?
2: No, sister.
1: Ever put your life in a Faceless Man's hands and asked him to put his life in yours?
2: No, sister. Except that one time with Theon, and that other time with the Hound and-
1: We follow orders, sister. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sister. Are we clear? Crystal. Arya,
2: I just have one more question before I put Littlefinger and varies on the stand. If you gave an order that Joffrey wasn't to be touched, and your orders are always followed, then why would Joffrey be in danger? Why would it be necessary to transfer him off the base? Joffrey
1: was a substandard king. He was being transferred.
2: That's not what you said. You said he was being transferred because he was in grave danger. That's correct. You said he was in danger. I said grave danger. You said. I recall what I said.
1: Stupid.
0: Yeah. Guess the name of that movie. Send it in to the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter, or you can submit it. By sending an email, mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, or you can leave it on a comment on the website, mattsaudioblog.com, or on a comment on the video, which is before the dragon podcast. Search for the word before the dragon podcast on YouTube. Leave comments on the videos there. And we will be happy to collect all of them. The person who has the most correct guesses out of the five movies or if there's a tie, we'll randomly draw from the ones with the most. Uh, We'll win something on me from the HBO store in regards to House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones, something like that. Actually, it's not the HBO store anymore. I think it's called the Warner store or something like that. But uh, you will win official merchandise uh, from the show on my behalf. And we shall return in just a few hours with part two of our conversation about Season 1, Episode 2 of House of the Dragon, The Rogue Prince.